Navigating social situations is something that most of us learn to do by watching those around us. It might be our parents, it might be our friends, it might even be books or TV. But no matter how hard we try, nothing can prepare us for every situation that we'll walk into. For teenagers, social situations can feel like the biggest thing in the world. And sometimes when situations are bad enough, they can be life or death. My name is Brienne, and I'm the host and creator of Among the Dirt and Trees, a show where we explore true crime cases that occur out in nature. In today's two-part episode, we're going to discuss the 1985 murder of Michelle Missy Avila, a 17-year-old girl who was murdered in a local creek and whose murder would change the law forever. This is part one. In order to explain this story, I have to tell two different stories. One for the parents and one for the kids. This is important because, like many crimes involving teens, Missy's mother seemingly had no idea what was really going on in her daughter's life. And by the time she got a clue, it was already too late. This is Irene Avila, Missy's mother's tale. Tuesday, October 1st, 1985 was a day like any other. On this day, Irene's daughter came up to her and announced that she was going out with one of her friends. The friend was a girl named Laura Doyle, a girl that Irene knew fairly well as a friend of Missy's. She told her daughter goodbye, and the girls were off. But a few short hours later, something strange happened. Irene received a call. It was Laura Doyle, and she wanted to speak with Missy. The last time Irene saw her daughter, she was leaving with Laura. So why was Laura calling her now? Irene explained her confusion, and Laura informed her that she dropped Missy off to spend time with three boys who were driving a fancy blue Camaro while Laura went off to get gas. She explained that when she returned, Missy and the boys were gone. Surprised and probably annoyed that Missy had disappeared, Irene wanted her daughter to come home. But she never did. Three days later, Missy's body was found. In the nearby National Forest, Missy was found face down in the water of a knee-deep creek. She was drowned, but that wasn't all. Her hair was hacked off, and on top of her body, a giant log was placed, pinning her down in the water, as if someone wanted to be sure that police would find her and she wouldn't just get swept away in the stream. Police knew immediately that she was murdered, but... We'll get back to that. We're going to jump forward in the timeline. Missy was dead and the police were eager to find her killers, no doubt the three mysterious men that her friend left her with. As police continued the investigation, they searched high and low for Missy's killers. It was a violent crime. But for the family, life went on in a different and terrible way. They held a funeral and 
tried to recover one day at a time, but they were lucky enough to have a good support system. Missy's two friends, Laura Doyle and her lifelong best friend Karen Severson, were there to support the family. They weathered the funeral of their fallen friend alongside the family. Each of them did their part to show love. For Laura Doyle, this meant attending the funeral and sending a card. For Karen Severson, it meant more than that. She actually stayed with the family for some time, filling in as a daughter figure in the family home. Karen, it seemed, was taking the loss very hard. Her mourning seemed to quickly turn into an obsession. In her room, it was a scene straight out of a murder mystery. Pictures of Missy covered the walls, each paired with newspaper clippings of all the stories that focused on her murder. It didn't stop there either. Karen did everything that she could to feel closer to Missy. She went to the graveyard several times a week to sit by Missy's grave, and she was known to frequent the part of the forest and the creek where Missy was found. She seemed fearless despite the knowledge that her friend had been killed and left there so recently. She went alone, never seeming to really worry about it. And then, more stories came forward. Karen told Irene that Missy's ghost could be seen out in the woods, that she had seen her apparition out there time and time again. At some point, Karen moved back out, leaving the family behind, but as far as I can tell, her obsession continued. And that's the kind of thing that makes you begin to wonder. It's a commonly accepted fact that a lot of the world's more twisted killers have a kind of fascination with themselves and their crimes. It isn't unusual for killers to show up for searches and other gatherings related to their victims. Sometimes it seems like they almost can't get away from the crime, like they have to be close to it so they can relive the rush of it again and again. It's twisted and... Generally, we see this in the form of deranged characters in movies, but it does happen in real life. You just don't expect the twisted killer stalking the case to be a teenage girl. Or two. So, you can imagine Irene's surprise when, after nine months of her daughter's case going cold, police informed her that her daughter's two closest friends had been arrested for the violent murder of Missy. And Irene only had one clue to go off of, something that would make it all seem more clear when she sat back and thought about it, even if it really still doesn't make sense. About a week and a half before Missy's murder, Karen Severson made a confession. Karen told Irene that she, Karen, saw her own boyfriend, Randy, pull Missy into his lap. Irene didn't think much of it at the time. Missy had simply rejected Randy and advised Karen to dump him because his intentions were clearly anything but pure. But when she learned who was behind the death of her daughter, Irene had to try to make sense of it all immediately. 
Was it really possible that the young woman who called her to make sure her daughter was safe had killed her? Had she really had her daughter's other murderer living under her own roof? This was a young woman that she had treated like her daughter. Irene was horrified, and when the details started coming out, it would only get that much worse. In the end, Irene would learn just how terrible these two young women were, and she would learn the truth about how and why her daughter died. Laura Doyle served 22 years in prison for second-degree murder. Karen Severson served 23 years in prison for second-degree murder. Both women have since been released, but unsurprisingly, Severson found herself in an equally disturbing legal battle. Of course, if you want to learn the story behind this mean girl murder, or you want to find out how it sparked a major change in law, you'll have to head over to part two of the episode. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.